What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. The Wafogato. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm joined today by the great Dr. Clark Fuller, a thoracic surgeon, which is what was needed to save the career of Brandon Ingram, the baby Laker who's now an all-star in New Orleans. He had what's known as thoracic outlet syndrome. The main artery going down his arm, the subclavian artery, gets pinched by the first rib and the clavicle, and he wound up with pain, a blood clot, and couldn't lift his arm above his head. Dr. Fuller, tell us a little bit about, I mean, take us through it. He's lying on the table. He's intubated. He's got anesthesia. What exactly do you do? You take a scalpel. You make a skin incision. What do you do? Take us through a surgery that Brandon Ingram had. You're absolutely correct. It, it begins with the induction of general anesthesia. We have an appropriate position of the patient, which puts the arm in a, in a neutral, uh, non-flexed, or non, the arm is kept uh, uh, parallel to the body. We make a very small incision. Interestingly, inside the, the chest cavity for a small camera, looks like a long soda straw with a camera and light at the end of it, hmm. that from the inside of the chest cavity, we're able to accurately identify exactly where the first rib is. It's a very short, broad rib that makes a very, uh, it looks almost like the letter C. Hmm. And once we identify that, we make a counter incision on, on the skin way up high, uh, up underneath the arm. And through that, I introduce my index finger and, and identify visually as well as by feel the first rib. I feel the vessels that are running over it on the, on the top part of my finger. And by identifying where it is, I'm then able to introduce instruments through that in, in, incision that allow us to isolate the rib at both where it begins on the vertebral body and where it connects to the breastbone up front, and we remove it. Uh, the whole time shielding the uh, vessels and the important nerves that run in that area. Do you use a power tool, a saw? Do you use a giggly saw? Do you? How exactly do you use tools where you have to protect the nerve and the artery from damage, and yet you have to remove a piece of bone? Yeah. Uh, well, we use a combination of tools. It's really like a planer, like you use on, on wood. Uh, it's called an elevator, which means that it elevates the soft tissues away from the bone, so mm-hmm. the attaching musculature and sinews of, of the region are elevated or pushed away from the bone. And then the actual bone where it joins the uh, uh, spine or the breastbone up front is divided uh, with a, uh, uh, an, an instrument that allows us to chew through the bone, uh, divide it. So there's not an introduction of, of a saw necessarily, hmm. but a, a long instrument that allows us to uh, uh, divide the bone. Wow, that's incredible. And are you feeling the flow through the vessel where on the one hand you lift the arm up, it kinks off, there's no flow, and now you've done your surgery and you feel the flow return mimicking that same maneuver? That is, that is 
absolutely correct. You mm. can, you know, when you pull the arm away from the body, much like Brandon described, the the pulse down on the side of the arm by his thumb will disappear, mm. <laughs> just like just like Niagara Falls. And then when you restore that blood flow, you'll feel that pulse return, and uh, that's how we know that there's been an adequate uh, resection of that first rib. That's just awesome. So tell us what you've been involved with in terms of your field over these couple of decades advancing. Is it in the way to see what you're doing? Is it the way to cut the bone? Is it the way to clamp the vessels? What is it that's amazed you most that you've been a part of in advancing the field of thoracic surgery? What's um, what's, what's really revolutionized, and, and that word gets overused, but it truly has, is the whole transition from what we call traditional open surgery where incisions and, and entrance into a cavity is made through a large incision to to afford us the exposure or allow us to see the things that we need to operate on that has changed as in your field as well as ours mm-hmm. excuse me that there's we've been able to put a light and a camera at the end of a small tube and transmit that under these wonderful high-definition TV screens, so that so the what we see surgically now is is marvelous. The the, the whole field of arthroscopy or in chest surgery, it's called thoracoscopy, hmm. and and being able to do that has allowed us to to approach the same disease process with the same principles, not violating those but achieve this similar result with a much different type of, of skin incision affording patients recovery, whether it's to deal with thoracic outlet or with tumors of the lung or infection, whatever the ailment may be, uh, rather than having to approach it with an open, now at least 95% of the cases I do are all done now with smaller incisions and, and the TV camera. Uh, and uh, uh, kind of an advancement upon that advancement is the era of robotics, which puts the instruments in the surgeon's hands, and I'm no longer at the bedside. I'm 10 to 12 feet away, sitting at a giant viewfinder. Jesus. <laughs> Incredible. Before I let you go, one of the things that's most admirable about you as a busy surgeon, long hours, is your ability to balance your life and work with your family. You coach football. I know Donna told me that uh, she'd be illustrating the front of the playbook and whatnot for you. What's the secret to that? Where did you get that ability to recognize that you've got to make time to balance your life? I think I saw it growing up in, in, in my own parents, my own role models, in that regardless of the demands of rural life and ranch life, which is truly a 24-7 job, uh, we carved out time. Uh, mm-hmm. As a family, my father was a very accomplished collegiate athlete at the University of Colorado in Boulder, hmm. and he would make time, uh, whether it was basketball, football, baseball, track. Uh, I knew what season of the year it was, not only by you know what we were doing out in the fields, but also what I was doing on the court or baseball diamond. Uh, you know, fall was football, and winter was basketball, spring was baseball, summer was track. So. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a, a, a great template provided by, by my uh, parents that, 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 that way. Well, I'm proud to call you a colleague. This is why I love being at Cedars, because it's just a building, but it's populated by people like you. And I want to thank you so much for enlightening us this morning, getting up early to be with us. It's a true pleasure. 
Dr. Clapper, it was my pleasure. And, and please, when you sign up on that segment, I want to hear ZZ Top. <laughs> yeah, from Cody, Wyoming. <laughs> All right, God bless you. Have a great day today. The great Dr. Clark Fuller. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, Warriors, coming up next, I'm going to do some clap revision. The number is 877-710-ESPN. But let's talk about coronavirus. How do you wrap your head around what exactly it is? What's a virus? Why is it different than a bacteria? And I'll explain with some clap revision coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN.